the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dot movie in theater. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. You may have become the victim of a horrible spouse. I don't want to minimize the pain, so don't understand. I do identify with it. I understand. Let's not go looking for loopholes. Let's look for evidences that this thing can get to a better place. Let's think about our responsibilities to God. Let's talk about that a lot more before we talk about the possibilities of escape. Relationships are hard. Ask anyone who's been married longer than a day and they'll tell you it's no fairy tale. There are ups and downs, arguments and rough patches, and sometimes a great deal of tension and strain. But is there ever reason for divorce? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy continues our series, Essential Jesus, and shows what Christ had to say about marriage and divorce. This is a message you may want to pass on to a friend. To download the audio, direct them to ktt.org. Here's Philip. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And the subject is marriage and divorce. And I agree with Mark Strauss in his commentary on Mark when he says, Jesus' followers must not abandon difficult marriage relationships simply because they do not meet their personal needs. Authentic discipleship is not about self-gratification. It's about giving oneself to sacrificial service for the kingdom of God. So Jesus' point is to his disciples, using the question posed by the Pharisees, hey, when you find yourself in a marriage relationship that's gone cold, gone sour, I want you to go that extra mile, even if it hurts you, even if you're being sinned against, go that extra mile. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Lose your life to gain your marriage for the sake of the kingdom. I think that's what Jesus is up to here. Marriage requires kingdom commitment. And kingdom commitment requires sacrifice and service towards others. And secondly, if you go back up into chapter 9, remember how the Lord Jesus in chapter 9, verse 36, in teaching his disciples what greatness is? He took a little child, set him in the middle of them, And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. How interesting. Jesus is teaching true greatness. Jesus doesn't say you shouldn't aspire to be great. He redefines it. It's not about money. It's not about hereditary. It's not about how many people follow you on Twitter. It's about do you take care of the most vulnerable within society? Because that's what a child represents. And Jesus says, I want you to receive them like you'd receive me. You say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Well, when you get to chapter 10, Jesus talks about women who are on the other end of a divorce perpetrated by their husbands. That's the question the Pharisees are raising. Can a man lawfully 
divorce his wife for any reason. And when we get to this in verse 13, he's going to talk about children. And again, you see society's treatment of children. You know, the mother's comes to Jesus with the preschoolers, and they're saying, hey, Jesus, we'd like you to bless the children. And the disciples are doing what? He's got more important things than to deal with toddlers. The kingdom of God's bigger than that. Jesus saying, guys, it's not. You forget. What did I tell you? Receive the little ones like you'd receive me. So here's what I'm arguing. Not only is this passage on marriage and divorce tied into discipleship, even when the marriage goes south and it rots a little bit, don't run to the idea of divorce quickly. Because if you're my disciple, you'll deny yourself. If you're my disciple, you'll take up your cross. If you're my disciple, you'll lose your life to gain your marriage for the glory of God, because what God joins, don't you mess with. And you should be concerned about women who are being abused by husbands who are divorcing them for very little reasons. Now, let me just fill in the background a little bit. They're trying to get Jesus to take sides. There's a rabbinical kind of controversy going on. And it's centered on Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4. This is the incident where Moses permits men to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss their wives. And it's all based on an indecency that the man finds in his wife. And Hillel would argue you could divorce your wife if she spoiled the dinner. That's indecent. We might put it like this. If she burns the toast, if she speaks disrespectively of her mother-in-law, it got so bad that one rabbi argued that the man could see another woman who looks better than his own wife, and therefore his wife now becomes indecent in his eyes, and he can divorce her. They're kind of saying, are you with Hillel? Because he says you can almost divorce your wife for any reason. And the other camp was Shammai, Rabbi Shammai. And he took a very strict rendering of Deuteronomy 24, 1-4. He says, well, it can't be adultery. That's not the indecency, because if it was adultery, back under the Mosaic law, the adulterer would die. And the issue of marriage and remarriage is mute, because if your spouse is dead, you're free, you can remarry. And that's all lawful. No, he would say, it's certainly something that rises to a level just short of adultery. Maybe some kind of sexual misconduct that's short of adultery, some exposure, some shameful behavior that a man just can't get past. So that's what's behind this. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What are the grounds, Jesus? And here's the focus, folks. They're focused on their rights. Jesus is focused on their responsibilities. What does he say? Of course Moses permitted this. Didn't command it, permitted it. Very important to make that distinction, which we will do in a moment. But it's because of the hardness of your heart he permitted this. Sin, rebellion, lawlessness, unforgiveness, bitterness. That's what drove this and caused Moses to kind of regulate what was going on. But this was not so from the beginning of creation. You want to know what I think? I think we need to get back to our responsibility to live towards God's ideal. One man, one woman, in a covenant of marriage where they're committed to love each other sacrificially and selflessly across a lifetime, raise children for the glory of God and be a witness to the surrounding community. And what God has joined, let no man mess with. But that's the teaching here. 
Jesus is talking about the permanence of marriage. Jesus is focused on what we need to do to make the marriage better, not what are the grounds for leaving it. In fact, Mark doesn't say this, but Matthew does. When Jesus finished his teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, listen to what the disciples say in Matthew 19, verse 10. His disciples said to Jesus, if such is the case, Jesus, if you're kind of more where Shammai is, that there's not a lot of grounds for divorce, you're only given one exception, unrepented of adultery. Then here's what the disciples said. If the standards are that high, if that's what God wants, then in verse 10 they say, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry. It's kind of, wow, there's not much room to play with. There's not a lot of tolerance. There's not big margins here. And you know what? If that's what marriage is about, toughen it out amidst the joy, but toughen it out through the tough seasons, the dry seasons, divorce is unacceptable. You're just going to have to work through it to a better time. Well, then you know what? You may want to stay single because, man, that's a load of stuff. But there you go. See, Jesus is emphasizing the hard work that you've got to do in marriage. He's not advocating or wants to talk about easy divorce because that's not within his passion or his perspective. I've got a story for you. W.C. Fields, famous old actor and a comedian, later on in life, he's in hospital. He's not doing too well, and he's reading a Bible, which is like something he doesn't often do. A friend comes in and finds him reading the Bible. He's shocked because W.C. Fields is rather an irreligious man. And he says, what in the world are you doing? Reading a Bible? To which he replies, looking for loopholes. Looking for loopholes. But you know what? I thought about that story as I was in my study this week with my head in the text. I have found that as a pastor, there are biblical counselors in our church who have dealt with this also. And I want to step back. Again, I want to be fair. I've tried to be a theologian, accurate to the text, but a pastor. I know there are people before me who are on the wrong side of this who may not even have complied with what Jesus teaches here. You may have become the victim of a horrible husband or a spouse. I don't want to minimize the pain, so don't understand. I do identify with it. I understand divorce is messy. Sometimes the issues are gray rather than black and white. The hurt is real. But I want to say to you, given where Jesus focuses, let's not focus on your rights. Let's focus on the responsibilities. Let's not go looking for loopholes. Because often it gets emotional. It gets, you know, I can't bear this anymore. So, Pastor, how do I get out of it? And I want to talk about how can we help you stay in it? As long as your life's not in danger. Let's look for evidences that this thing can get to a better place. Let's think about the glory of God. Let's think about the joy of parents. Let's think about the welfare of children. Let's think about our responsibilities to God, to others, to the gospel, to the church. Let's talk about that a lot more before we talk about the permissions and the concessions and the possibilities of escape. Amen? I know that's hard to receive, but that's the word. That's where Jesus is. You've got the controversy. Quickly, you've got the counter, verses 3 to 4. The counter. Jesus answers their question with a question. Now, this is interesting. Don't miss this. What did Moses command you? What did Moses command you? He's refocusing the debate back to the Word of God, back to the text of Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4, because they want to get him into this rabbinical interpretation conflict. Are you with Hillel or are you with Shammai? 
Can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Hillel. Or are you more with Shammai? Limited exceptions. You've got to give some credit to these guys. They actually didn't mishandle the text. Verse 4, Moses permitted. Do you notice the difference? Jesus said, what did Moses command? And they're kind of admitting, it's not saying it, but I'm saying it for you. Actually, Moses didn't command anything. Because folks, let me pause, catch my breath and your breath. God never condones divorce. The Bible never commands divorce. There's not a biblical writer from an apostle in the New Testament to a prophet in the Old Testament who commands divorce. Sometimes it's regulated. Sometimes there's a sad acknowledgement that some things are permissive. But isn't it interesting? Jesus, in some way, I hope I'm not putting words in our master's mouth, he kind of traps them. They tried to trap him. He traps them. Okay, what did Moses command? Well, actually, he didn't command anything. He permitted a man to write a bill of divorcement and dismiss his wife. So that's the counter. Now, just let's pause a moment on that. And here's what you need to understand. Moses is not commanding anything. Moses is regulating a situation he doesn't like because of the hardness of men's hearts. They are divorcing their wives, and some of them are divorcing their wives for next to nothing. And Moses says, we're not having any more of this. Okay, you guys, you're going to have to write a reason on a certificate of divorcement as to why you're abandoning this woman. Moses, ladies, was protecting women's rights and women's reputations. He was forcing men either to give a good reason or in some ways to be embarrassed by a bad reason. And then it seems to be more bad reasons than good reasons. Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted this, says Jesus. Plus, if you go on to read those verses, Moses also regulates the whole issue of remarriage and this serial divorces and saying, hey, if you divorce your wife and she marries another man and that man either divorces her or he dies, she can't remarry you. That would stain and shame the community of God's people. But if you keep the big picture, here's how Jesus is using it. Moses didn't command any of that. He didn't rubber stamp that and say, way to go. He's kind of saying, you know what? This is bad for the nation. I'm going to have to regulate it, set some standards to it. You guys can't just with a wink and a nod walk away from your wife and leave her high and dry and leave all kinds of people talking about her for the reasons and her reputation is destroyed and she's being abused and abandoned in the culture. We're going to have this regulated. You've got to write a certificate of divorce, which will mean now she's free. And you know what? We're going to protect something of the exposure she's going to face. And we're going to regulate this whole scenario of who can be divorced, who can be remarried. But here's the point you and I don't want to miss. What did Moses command? And they're basically saying, although they didn't say it, but their words imply it, he didn't command anything. He permitted it. Moses in Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4, was actually closing a door because too many guys were going through this door of divorcing their wife for any reason, some indecency, some displeasure. We would believe in the historical context it would have to raise to something just short of adultery because the adulterer would be put to death. What's this indecency? It's not burning the toast and it's not saying an ill word about your mother-in-law. No, it's a serious indecency. At least that's what Moses is looking for. So this whole thing's about closing a door, not opening it. 
And these Pharisees go back there to say, how wide is the door? And Jesus is saying, it's actually not very wide. Moses didn't command it. He permitted it. Now, here's the point, and I've kind of touched on it, but I just want to acknowledge that a Sinclair Ferguson says here, the inner workings of the heart of the Pharisees is out of tune with the author of Scripture. Here's an interesting little thought, folks. The Pharisees are testing Jesus, and there may be something satanic about it, okay? We made that argument a few minutes ago. Let's just run with that for a moment. When Satan tests the Lord Jesus, what does he do? He uses the Bible, and he twists it. That's why I think this is satanic. These are not true shepherds of the people of God. These are false teachers, and they're coming with Deuteronomy 24, which was a permission, a concession, dealing with an historical situation where sin and hardness of the heart lay at the bottom of it. It was nothing about God's glory, nothing to do with God's will, and Moses was regulating a tough situation, conceding to a difficult matter. And you know what? These guys want to take that, and they want to find out how many reasons do we have to divorce our wives? And Jesus, you're missing it, guys. I'm going to take you back to what God commanded. This is what Moses permitted, but let me tell you what God commanded. And that's my point. Within this sad context and scenario and circumstances where people face this kind of difficult decision, can I say the Word of God and its authority must drive us in all of our discussions and reflections and decisions? It can't be emotion. It can't be ill-advised advice from friends who are ignorant of the Bible, who are not gospel-centered, who are not driven by the glory of God and the holiness of God. You and I, in a tough situation where you may be getting sinned against, where the marriage has gone flat, I understand that. I embrace that. Our heart goes out to you, and the mercy of God be upon you. But let's not run to the rights. Let's talk about the responsibilities. Let's see if we can salvage the marriage, because that's God's will. And let's submit to the authority of the Bible. Let's be a John Bunyan of whom Spurgeon spoke and said, this man so knew God's word that if you'd have cut him, he would have bled the Bible. His blood was bibline. Do you not want that? I know you do. You wouldn't be here with an open Bible. If there's an issue we need to address, we're going to address it sympathetically. We're going to come alongside broken people. We're not going to be cold, pharisaical, and detached. But we're going to have to say, out of honor for God and integrity to the self, you know what? Before we make a decision, can we just hear from the Word of God? Because as Protestants, it is the final court in all matters of life and practice. Sola Scriptura. By the way, just write down John 2 and we'll move on. John 2 and verse 5. You know that story. Jesus' first public miracle. It's a marriage. It's a wedding. How wonderful. And I don't know whether the guy was working to a budget. I don't know if he was a chintzy Scotsman, but they ran out of wine. Okay? They ran out of wine, of all things. And even when you get to the fact that Jesus makes wine, which is better than the wine they were drinking, they might have even been diluting it for all, you know, just to stretch it a little bit. But they run out of wine. And that's the last thing you want to do at a Jewish wedding in the first century. And they're in a tizzy. And so Jesus hears about it from his mother, who's there. And he says, okay, go and get some water pots. And you know, they get the water pots, fill them with water, and Jesus turns them into wine. And the guests and the hosts say, hey, the wine at the end is better than the wine at the beginning, which is usually not the case. But here's what I love about that story. It came back to me in the context of marriage and divorce. In the middle of all of that, 
When Jesus tells them to go and get the water pots, what does Jesus' mother say? Whatever he says, do. And I think that's just a word for your marriage, for your home. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it can be bad. But we're disciples. We're committed to the kingdom. So we're going to deny ourselves. We're going to take up our cross. We're going to go the second mile. We're going to do what we can to keep this marriage together because what God has joined, let no man pull asunder. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about the witness. It's about our children. It's not about us. It's about our parents and their joy over a marriage that's held together. It's not about us. And in that context, we set our emotions to another place. We submit to the authority of God's word and we hear whatever he says we've got to do. It's not always the case. I've had people walk out of me in counseling. They want advice until they hear what the Bible actually says, and then they don't want it. Whatever he says, do. It's a simple concept that could save your marriage. Just do what the Bible says. Will you obey and trust God with the results? You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy in a message titled Marriage and Divorce. You'll want to request a copy of this complete teaching, and you can do that on our website when you go to ktt.org. Philip, let me turn back to you. I think sometimes it's easy for a listener to take for granted that programs like this one are free of charge. You can just turn on the radio or download the audio file and be fed by God's Word. But although it is free, there is a cost involved as we produce the program and purchase airtime. And that cost is paid by other listeners and particular truth ambassadors. Yes, Wayne, uh, and you're right. I mean, our truth ambassadors, frankly, are the backbone of, of this ministry. And we're so grateful for their monthly support and their investment in the ministry. But the truth is, we need more of our listeners to sign up today and become ministry partners. In fact, here's the beauty of the Truth Ambassador program. It kind of takes the guesswork out of fundraising. We kind of know what we're dealing with. It allows us to, you know, count our numbers and know what we can do going forward. And that's why this ministry is so critical. And so uh, if you're listening today and you've been listening on a regular basis or you're new to the Know the Truth program, can I ask you to seriously think about partnering with us on a monthly basis to become a Truth Ambassador. We have ongoing expenditures in putting the program together to pay for our time, and this is all to the end of uh, touching lives and changing hearts and changing homes. In fact, that was just reinforced in this last week or two. We had about a couple of really interesting contacts to the, the ministry. There was a lady in Swainsboro, Georgia, and she was telling us when that she drives to a prison ministry every Tuesday night and on the way in she catches our program and she's been surprised how many times our program has kind of synced with what she wants to share with the ladies and she has used our program to minister to these women in prison. Just recently I was contacted by James Darnell who uh, used to play in the major leagues in baseball for the Padres and also for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's now a, a student at DTS and works on staff with David Jeremiah in San Diego. He's a regular listener and, and, and loves our ministry and is committed to continue to listen. And he's telling me that what he gets from our program is just helping him to train for the ministry. And that's just two stories of many that uh, it thrills me and I believe is, is, is moving the kingdom of God forward. But none of that comes uh, without a cost. If you're listening today uh, and you love our program and, and what I'm talking about resonates with you, would you step up, to use a baseball term, to the plate 
and, and think about seriously committing to us once a month uh, and become a truth ambassador. You can do that. It's easily done by contacting us at ktt.org, or you can call and speak to one of our volunteers in the office at 888-644-8811. We'll be deeply grateful. Thank you. And Philip, as you know, when someone gives a donation, we're going to express our thanks by sending this incredible book called The Reformation Still Matters. You know, this month is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and we're still working on some of the same issues Martin Luther fought for. When you give a donation and we send you this book, you'll discover how you can stay true to the biblical principles that shaped the world. Request The Reformation Still Matters when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow as we continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. That's Wednesday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The true story of a stray dog. Who are you? That's Pluto. Who saves a struggling family in more ways than one. What's wrong? This isn't working anymore. Sometimes help comes from the most unlikely places. I don't need you. He's trying. He really is. Sometimes one dog can change everything. You're small anymore. From the director of The Other Side of Heaven, The Stray, rated PG. For theater locations and more information, visit thestray.movie in theaters now. This is Albert Mogler for townhall.com. Something is happening to the American family. Claire Kane Miller, writing in the New York Times, reports that, and I quote, marriage, which used to be the default way to form a family in the United States, regardless of income or education, has become yet another part of American life reserved for those who are most privileged, end quote. Back in the 1960s, it was the children of privilege who declared themselves independent of marriage. But as it turned out over time, those who have a greater economic investment tend to be far more conservative in terms of their actual lifestyle choices. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.